0: Did you know Locum's docs make, on average, 33% more than employed docs? Got your attention now? So, if you're considering Locum tenants either full-time or on the side, you probably have a question, or two, or maybe even 20. LocumStory.com is packed with unbiased information and tools to see what the trends are in your specialty and even make a decision if Locum's is right for you. My advice... Make LocumStory.com the go-to place to learn more about locum tenants. That's LocumStory.com. So what's up, folks? Welcome to another episode of Docs Outside the Box. I am your host, Dr. Nee. I'm joined by...
1: Dr. Renee.
0: No yeah afterwards? No. Okay, we we'll leave it at that. Boom. <laughs> Y'all, we are recording this on Black Friday. Um, we hosted Thanksgiving for the second year in a row, and um, I wasn't happy, or excuse me, I was extremely happy when the last guest <laughs> left slip. at like 10.30 p.m. I was like, yo, thank God, yo. Thanksgiving, hosting Thanksgiving is no joke, yo.
1: It's a lot of work.
0: It's almost like hosting a wedding where it's just like you're you a oh,
1: wedding. Oh, gosh. You're not going to eat.
0: you just making sure everybody's happy. <laughs> you're getting all the food ready. You're getting all the drinks and all these different things. And then at the end of the day, you realize, you I didn't even really eat much. I only have one plate.
1: I mean, how many plates are you supposed to have? No,
0: for Thanksgiving, you got to have. I just remember for Thanksgiving, when I don't host, I'm having at least two, three, four, five
1: plates. What? Plates.
0: You know how I eat anyway. I don't eat a lot at the same time. No, I kind of no, graze and all that. So, yeah. But. You know, the sentiments of Thanksgiving, which for our family, my side of the family, which is kind of getting together, um, you know, we're spread apart and getting together, and having fun for that one time of the year, means a lot to me. And I think it means a lot to all of us, particularly since we're so far away. But I know for you and your family, your side of the family, y'all don't celebrate.
1: No, we haven't celebrated Thanksgiving since I was nine years old.
0: And you want to let us know why? Genocide got you okay (laughs) (laughs) in a word (laughs) well we shouldn't laugh about it but listen um for those No, not
1: laughing about genocide but laughing about the fact that it literally is just that simple got you
0: got you so you know for the Native Americans out there obviously this is an extremely sore sore subject maybe Mm -hmm. more than likely it is but for some may not I don't know whatever it is we've just got to be you know sensitive to that you know topic that that's an issue and um you know, so there was one person who we said come over, and he was like, eh, "I don't really rock with Thanksgiving because mm-hmm. of just exactly what you said." Yeah. Once we told him the reason why, they're like, "All right, we'll just come by." But yeah. we definitely, and there were
1: some other yeah. factors that played into Obviously. why he came in. You know, why he came to Thanksgiving that year. But yeah, my dad actually he put the kibosh on Thanksgiving when I was nine.
0: Mm, okay, that's really early. Just,
1: yeah, he was just like. You know, we're not doing it anymore. And my mom, you know, <laughs> I asked my mom, I was like, why? Why can't we do Thanksgiving? And my mother said, because. <laughs> she goes, because. the What did she say? She goes, the Indians opened their arms to the pilgrims and then they killed them. I was like, okay, well.
0: <laughs> there it is. Boom, And it's that done. was
1: it. Um, so I had not celebrated Thanksgiving after that, I think until like 20 years later when we were in med school and we just went to, we had off for Thanksgiving. So we went to go and visit. Yeah. We went to remember, Michigan. Yeah. To go visit. A friend. I didn't know that actually. Yeah.
0: I didn't know that was the first time, but I mean, you didn't go kicking or screaming or anything like that. No, you just I didn't, didn't.
1: Yeah. I didn't go kicking and screaming, you know, like if people want to get together for Thanksgiving, that's, I'm fine with that. Um, it's you know I'm not going to be like you know ah no I'm not doing it or whatever. But my preference is that you know especially as our kids get older they you know that they really understand you know what the actual holiday like what is the origin story of the holiday and understand the ramifications of that. I think that that's really important. Yeah. Um, you know it's very convenient for people to get together on Thanksgiving because most people have that day off. Yeah, Um, But we
0: have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. So what age do you think is appropriate to let them know?
1: (laughs) I mean, you know, I think, you know, so for my family... And and
0: it's tough, too, because they go to school and... The right. teachers are incorporating Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving into their into curriculum, their curriculum. Yeah. and if you don't properly let them know, it, they may feel a little bit isolated as to, yeah, we're not celebrating Thanksgiving. They don't have a proper reason why they go into class, and it's like, yeah, we're not doing it. So well, it's important to like kind of educate them as to, yeah. Why.
1: I mean, I don't know exactly what age. Um, I think nine for you know for me was a good age. Um, I don't know that I will do nine. I don't know that that I will go that long, but you know. I, I think that at some point we definitely need to let them, you know, understand what's being taught in school versus, you know, what reality is. And that the sugarcoating that we put, that we learn in school is not really the way oh, that yeah. it went down. So, you know, at some point we'll let them know. Um, but at some point also I would like to like not do <laughs> Thanksgiving, like host Thanksgiving, host Thanksgiving. At least not on that day. I will host Thanksgiving on Black Friday if everybody want to come over on Friday. Mm,
0: I see. I'll do
1: that. You know.
0: Well, that'll be up for discussion. We'll figure it out and stuff. So, anyhow, (laughs) the point of this discussion, y'all, is this is not a discussion. This is just a feedback episode. We were, you know, it it, basically when we put out the episode with Tom Brady, which is episode three nineteen. Won't you come home, Tom Brady? The essence of that conversation was. You know, how much is enough? And basically, you have a situation where a football player, one of the best football players of all time, has been playing football for 20 years and is going into year 21, 22, 23. And it seems as though there's this public spat between him Mm -hmm. and his wife, who's extremely successful. Right. And they kind of are having this public thing as to when is he going to come home and spend time with the kids? He went ahead and did that. <laughs> His retirement lasted 40 days. And then he was like, "Yo, I'm out going back to play football. Mm-hmm. And all of this stuff really started playing out. And long story short, we did that episode. Since that time, we did that episode, which was in September till now. Um, they've actually filed for divorce, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the merits of the divorce and all the actual intricacies and details, I have no clue about that. And that's not even the intent to even talk about that on this show. Right. right. I think what we want to talk about is... is you know, does that type of situation occur in medicine? Does that type of situation occur particularly with you on your side as an OB, as a woman, as a mom? What are your thoughts on that? As well as, how about this? Why don't we just jump into the comments? Because I think some of the comments that we got from folks on Instagram, because we released some of these uh, episode or some of these reels on Instagram was really interested. Mm-hmm. interesting. So I'm just going to jump into that and then we'll get your opinion as to what you think from a... Um, I guess from an OB's perspective. Why OB? And then also from a woman's perspective. Because I got some interesting data, actually, about divorce and doctors. Okay. And it'll be very interesting from your perspective to hear. So some of the comments that we got are a lot of people like the discussion, right? And one of the things that people said, this is from Dr. Brad. He says that I actually believe they can have both, which is he can be playing football for an extended period of time she can have the life that she wants right Mm. career and family and not sacrifice either Mm. it would require significant clarity but as soon as we start looking at certain challenges in life as quote-unquote either or instead of in quote-unquote and then we begin to sacrifice and therefore someone suffers Mm. he also wrote back i fully agree because i responded back to him Um, There's more to this and possibly broken promises and trust that has been compromised. I'm also curious what his motivation was for him to return to the game challenges with identity become common for professional athletes who define themselves by their performance on the field. Mm -mm -mm. Your thoughts.
1: Well, I definitely agree with the whole identity crisis, right? Mm. I think a lot of doctors actually go through that same thing, right? So professional athletes...
0: Dr. Bobby says, tell them, Renee.
1: <laughs> professional athletes, I think, you know, especially because they're drafted so young, yeah. right? They spend majority of their childhood preparing for that moment that they get drafted. They finally get drafted and they play. And when, you, when they become really big... I mean, it's it's literally who they are. Like, that's all they know, right? That's all they know. Um, and so I think it's the same thing with doctors. I think doctors kind of have that identity crisis also, right? Because many of us, many of us, not all, but many of us at a very young age say, I want to be a doctor. And then people start attaching that to us, even though we're not practicing, but people start attaching that title, that desire to be a doctor to us. And so you go through, you know, all these years of of schooling and training and then you're a doctor and what happens all of a sudden when you either don't want to do it anymore or you can't do it anymore? I think, yeah, I think he's right as far as the identity crisis.
0: This episode is brought to you by locumstory.com. Backdrop. 2012, finishing my fellowship in Miami, and no decision bigger than where and how I was going to start working on my own. And there it was, the fork in the road, being employed versus something I had never heard of before, locum tenants. So I decided to go the locums route and I had a ton of questions then. I stumbled a bit, but eventually I was able to stand on my own and I have been working locums over the past 10 years. Now, what about you? If you're considering locums, you probably have hella questions just like I did. Like, who covers my malpractice? Do I really have control over how often I work? And what are the tax implications? Now, lucky for you, locumstory.com has the answers you need. It's packed with unbiased information and advice from docs just like you. And there's nothing to sell here. It's just a simple resource for information, like finding out what's the average pay rate for your specialty. There's even a quiz to see if locums is right for you. So listen, take my advice. LocumStory.com is the perfect place to start if you want to learn more about locums. That's LocumStory.com. So some other people say Orlando, was it Orlander to, Orlander Second Speak says, I love you both. This is a fantastic conversation. (laughs) Uh, Post-surgery, Post-surgery care Atlanta says, I love your wife. Yo, a lot of people really liked your comments on this part, even though. I, I, even though what? Even nothing. though what? Coco Brown says, I love Renee. She didn't get me started. She said, don't get me started. That freaking Johnny Appleseed. That <laughs> was a comment on Nick Cannon, who in between that episode and right now, announced he was having another kid. I think, oh, like, I'm his, so shocked. His 13th kid. How is
1: this possible?
0: Yo. <laughs> hey, yo. Man.
1: Yeah. Anywho. Um talking about not being able to have it all, not either or. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Unless they're living in a compound, I just don't see that happening.
0: Someone, uh, My
1: understanding is they don't live in Dr. a compound. Nani- is that right? Dr.
0: Naniya was really happy about what's funny about the aim high, Willis. Aim high.
1: <laughs> From the 40-year-old version. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, aim yeah.
1: high, Willis. Aim high. romany
0: Doc Bentu says she loves this discussion. And I um, asked, "Whose side is she on?" She says, "Neither, because I don't know enough." I wonder if he plans to play for one more year. I wonder he was a stranger in his own home. So for me, like the, mm-hmm. I think part. I think part of the extension is is I think he wants to play football, but I think he's trying to prolong playing football because of TB12, which is a business that he has, which is more like a. It's it's like a health nutrition business where he's, you know, trying to convince people that if you do things his way, which is you inc- incorporate his diet, his um, nutritional plans and work with his special type of or his uh, very specific type of trainer Mm -hmm. that you'll get a certain type of result. I think there's this type of plan that he's trying to prove and he's trying to use himself as... The protege. uh, The prototype, basically, which is look what TB12 method did to my career. I'm Mm -hmm. playing football, which is... Realistically, probably the most brutal of all the professional sports Mm -hmm. we have up there. Um, And you have to have hand-eye coordination because someone is coming after you. right? right? So you have to be able to make certain moves. And he's doing this into his mid-40s. The longer he plays, the more it adds mystique to this nutrition method which I think mm. helps his business more. I think that's part of it. Now, I, I, obviously, there's... I mean, nobody just wants to go and just play, just to play right. stuff. So, obviously, right. he loves it and so forth. But I think that's part of that thing that we we didn't... Well, I didn't mention he, that in the previous episode, actually. I know
1: between him and some... Who is it? Peyton Manning, or... who was, Who's the person that played really long into their 40s?
0: Uh, He's, for the most part, that's him.
1: Is he the oldest one? Yeah. I mean, hasn't he proven it already?
0: Well, yeah, I mean... Really. I mean,
1: because... Cause if that's the case, like he could, he could play until he's sixty.
0: Also say, she says, you're you're speaking facts. You had a lot of people on your side. Thank you. Uh,
1: it's Asase. say.
0: to asa say. Yeah. And says, okay, I couldn't read it. Okay. And says, that's right, sis. Tell him you had a lot of women on your side.
1: <laughs> there are a couple of brothers that were not on my side. I'm also
0: trying to figure out how ten years equates to all of a sudden. Um, hmm.
1: I mean, playing for that long, what, 10, 20 years, is not all of a sudden, right? Like, let's just face it, you know? And unfortunately, whatever was happening, you know, within that relationship ended up leading to divorce. And essentially, you know, it just goes to show you that him being home for 40 days was probably not probably was like a sign of things to come right well I, I it's possible but i just it was a sign of things to come i you just feel like
0: i feel like that might have been the straw that broke the camel's back and well, i feel yeah. like i feel like there's a bunch of microaggressions so right. to speak, you know that type of t- I, there's a whole bunch of different things that have occurred over time over you know, 10 years or 15 years or 20 years that finally led to this. Mm-hmm. And then when he lasted only 40 days, it was just yeah, like, it was was a sign said, of
1: things I'm done, I'm out. You right. know, or I
0: got a problem with this. So I, I don't know. I mean, it for just me, seems like, like,
1: is it surprising that they file for divorce after the 40 day retirement? Is that really surprising? Because I don't I really don't think it is.
0: So Kofi Kofi says that uh, him and his wife will be having part two of this discussion. He says, funny, we were actually discussing the Tom Brady situation before you posted this. I was actually echoing Renee's sentiments, and my wife asked me the same question for which I said he's being selfish. The irony of the situation is divorce landed them in probably a worse situation than they were previously. Mm. May- you may- cannot live yeah. your life always on the road. Even Thanos did retire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Gotta put they,
1: the hammer down, yo. Yeah,
0: but Thanos, when he did retire, he got his head chopped off. Right? <laughs> the question is: the question
1: how, is, is Tom gonna get his head chopped off?
0: <laughs> the question, which, uh, the question is, how long can a spouse wait till he or she snaps out? Do you want a resenting spouse because you cannot do what you love to do? When is a spouse not being realistic? Damn. But all said and su- but all said and done, happy wife. And then he puts happy, happy, smile faces. So I'm, I'm so actually, let let's let me ask you this yeah, question. Yeah, I don't then. buy into that. Let me ask happy you this life, question happy because, life, by the way, in our situation, you you kind of sacrificed and pulled back on your practice mainly to take care of the kids, mm-hmm. right? But I'm very interested if the tables were turned, where let's say you were like gung ho about your practice. You know, fellow, you know, colleagues mm-hmm. in OB who are women who kind of look at. Having children more like a detour or a bump mm-hmm. in a road mm-hmm. towards their career. So, would you? What What are your thoughts on? First of all, do you think it could be on the other end where you like you wanted to be an OB and this is what you always wanted to do? And hey, so, you want to practice into your sixties?
1: So, first things first, I actually pulled back on my practice right as we got married because I was practicing technically part time. That's actually the first. That was the first step.
0: You talking about when you worked, worked? Like yeah, when and, I
1: was doing full scope OBGYN. GYN. Um,
0: yeah, but by the time you left Idaho and you were working doing a fellowship, you were kind of part time and stuff. So you were kind of familiar yeah. to the part time, right? Before but, we got married,
1: right? Before we got married, but when we got married, see
0: how she tried to she try to blame me for that. You was anyway, living that part. You was living that part time life before we no, got no, married. No, no, sis. hold
1: on a second. I'm talking about. Practicing OB part time, right? Which was my which was my t- my job at the time. But before we got married, I was working full time.
0: Wait, when in Atlanta?
1: Yeah, when I was working at Morehouse School of Medicine, I was full time. Oh, okay.
0: I, 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 I didn't wasn't practicing.
1: So. I wasn't practicing OB. I, that's when I was running the the health policy program, but I was still working part time. You mean full time? I mean full time. Okay. So, so yeah. So I only started working part time.
0: But you were clinically full time. Oh, clinically part time.
1: Yeah. Clinically, I was part time. But I was, I had a full time job and then I was working part time clinically. So technically, I was working way more. So when we got married, is when I was working part time. Gotcha. And only part time, right? So let us be clear the reason that I did that. What are you shaking your head for?
0: Let the record show. You getting... That's
1: right. Don't make me go Claire Huxtable on okay, you. Okay. Here we okay? go. Okay. But anyway, but the reason that I did that was because I, at that point, made it very intentional for me to prioritize, you know, my my family, mm-hmm. right? So starting a family, you know, for me, what, the first step was being married and then eventually having kids. And, you know, the, the ball r- r- rolled from there. But if I were working full time, if I was the type of if I were the type of person who saw having kids as a bump in the road, I probably wouldn't want to have kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I don't think it's fair to start a family and look at the family as an inconvenience or a distraction or some sort of just pit stop I don't think that that's fair. You don't put people on the, on the earth and then treat them secondarily. Mm, okay. You know, I, I, I just don't think that that's fair. What if you didn't
0: have kids? Do you think you would still go gung ho and stuff? Mm. Like for example, like let's say it's hard let's to say, say let's say we tried to have kids, we couldn't have kids and let's say we just never went the adoption route and it was just me and you, right? Mm-hmm. Which is it's a realistic thing that could occur. Right. Do you think that you would and after let's say you know, we obviously did part-time for mm. You did. We, we did part-time for several years to make sure that, you know, we kind of got used to each other. Because, mm-hmm. y'all, let me tell you something right now. Them first couple of years of us being married.
1: You are a handful. Oof, man.
0: You are we handful. We probably should have lived together first before. <laughs>
1: no, we probably shouldn't have lived together because then we yo. When got married.
0: Oh, my God. yo. Anyway, listen. So, <laughs> we are nine years deep, guys. We need your support, not your laughter, right? So, Listen. Right. Do you think do you think that you would go gung ho and be like full time? Because I think I mean, for me, obviously, what I do, I think it's more acceptable as a surgeon, a trauma surgeon to be 100% into this. Right. I think that's more of societal acceptance for me to be 100% into this. And then also throw on top of that, I'm a man the whole provider thing and i'm not saying that that's yeah, correct I mean, or not that's i'm just saying that's a right. stereotype societal yeah. norm
1: mm-hmm. whether
0: it's correct or not it exists right, right? so mm-hmm. um that's why i'm saying i'm not giving an opinion yet i want to see what you're your i mean are. i i it's really
1: because hard because it's very
0: it's very it's very realistic for ob guy mm-hmm. for ob guy doctors to be like yo this is me this is my life yeah, and i'm absolutely. going 100 i mean
1: doc you know ob docs do that all the time. i think Pretty much I think all docs do that um, or most docs do that for the most part. But for me, I think it would be, you know, it'd be hard to say because, you know, not only, you know, not only is there a faction now anyway that I see of, okay, well, I wanted to start this family and dedicate specific time to, you know, having my family. But I also see that there are other talents in you know, interest that I have. So I I don't know. I maybe I would have nursed those as well and still gone part time with OB. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, it's really hard to tell. Um, especially because things worked out the way that they worked out. So
0: uh MD underscore femme said, ha ha ha, I can't she said, Hey yo, you old, I gotta stay I gotta stay with you. You got oh. uh, <laughs> You got uh, <laughs> I know CTE, you saw, like. drooling, can't lift your right arm, talking about Giselle, where the crackers. Basically saying that if he got CTE and he had like an obvious like yeah. deficit, she can't divorce him anymore because there's a rule. Right? There's a law that basically you can't divorce like someone who's sick. Yeah,
1: I mean, well, I don't know if that's definitive, but yeah. So basically, if he had like chronic brain injury and had all these issues and, you know, um. Yeah, she would that she would have a tough time basically divorcing him or, you know, or she would then be stuck taking care of him when this could have been avoided if he had just retired. Um, I mean, in a 20 year history, you know, you, we don't know. We don't know, actually, if he doesn't have brain injury. Right. We don't know if he has trauma um, and we don't know if that's part of the picture of their divorce.
0: I just I don't know. I think this is such a complicated issue. And obviously, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to get into their relationship, but I just I guess because (laughs) I see getting into it. No, not in their relationship, (laughs) but I just think it's so many there's parallels between what we do. Right. Like, 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 if I wasn't if I wasn't working on this podcast or doing locums, like it's very it's very possible as an employee doc that a significant period of time could be Mm. away from family. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, we and, know and, people like that. Right. There's a lot of people like that. And Great. I'm just like, I think that's where I'm like, you know, what happens if you're in that situation where, you know, maybe you haven't even reached financial goals that you want to reach, but you still got to work like that. What do you do then? Like, do you as the person you who's You don't Are you as the person who's <laughs> like, you know, like the, there's still number I, I don't know. I just I don't know. Sometimes I think sometimes I think you make it very easy because we're not in that situation, right? We're not financially like wealthy or anything like that, but also at the same time like we don't have like loans and we don't have a bunch of debt that's pushing us to go to work like that all the time and our personalities are very similar in the in the roles that we don't define ourselves as our identities are, you know, I'm a doctor and that's who I am and so forth. So
1: I get it. I do
0: think that it's it's pretty easy for Basically, I pretty feel like it's easy for you to say that, but hey,
1: I mean, it's easy for me to say that, yes, because of my perspective. I mean, that's that's my perspective, um, but I think where for me the main issue lies is not even so much his relationship with his wife. She's a big girl; she could take care of herself. My problem is his relationship with his children, you know, or or not just not him specifically, but people who take that stance of. No, like my work is my priority. Like this is the number one thing in my life. Mm-hmm. And then basically, they put children on the earth and then pretty much tell them that they're secondary to this thing that they're doing. And I'm like, how, like, how psychologically is that good for children to basically say that you are not necessarily my priority? And you don't have to say those words for people to feel that, you know? And so it's one thing to be like, oh, my kids are going to revere me because they're going to see me on TV. They're going to hear about me. I'm going to go down in the history books. But I mean, we've seen these kinds of things play out before. All right.
0: So Danny Smith on YouTube says, not true at all. My dad traveled for work a lot when I was growing up. He would be, I don't know what that means. He would be Gina for three weeks or a month, then be home five days, then be gone again. Now he's fifty six and I'm thirty three, and my dad's my best friend. We fish together, hunt together, drink liberal tears together. Not spending time, not spending time with your kids when they are younger may just make them want to spend time with you when you're oh, older. Okay. There's no you. You the exception no,
1: to the rules. There's Sorry. no one.
0: There's no one set way things to happen, and to say so is ignorant. Yeah. Uh, he said he called you ignorant.
1: Yeah, whatever. Um if i really cared what people think about me would i would i be in a podcast i mean come on um, what's
0: crazy if you look up things and actually research you can see that Tom Brady was actually turning into the housewife while Giselle was running around doing her modeling and hanging out with all of her friends.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he was a housewife on the field. Um, <laughs> so I think that that I think I'm
0: going to let you respond to all of these different comments well, on, I think... on on YouTube or on on like the actual writing of these days. like <laughs> on the show is funny like we go back for
1: No, but I I think I I get that and that's his experience. But let me tell you something, that's a that's a para role, you know, paradise to roll. That is really a paradise to roll, to just think that, yo, like this is just going to work out and my kids are going to want to hang out with me Ooh, when I'm older. You don't know what kids are going through.
0: Shout out to Dr. Jones. You Dr. Know? Jones was one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Frank Jones down at, he was one of my mentors and one of my, the surgeons that I worked with at Morehouse, and mm-hmm. I think he's now with PCOM. I think yes, right now, he's a um, trauma surgeon, mm-hmm. and I just remember while in you know while in residency, <laughs>
1: what <is> your joke? <laughs> while in residency,
0: you know he was very open and honest about you know doing surgery, general or trauma, um, which is very intense. And being at Grady Memorial Hospital, like this is like no joke. You're dealing with um, you, you just have to be ready all the time. Mm-hmm. But he was very intentional about being. You know, at events for his kids, picking up his kids, not just putting pressure on his wife to get it. And also his wife is a very well known physician also. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, he was very open about that. And that kind of was one of the things that, you know, opened my mind to say, huh, like I guess there's multiple ways to do this and stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's got to pick up his kids and so no, forth. No,
1: no, 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 no. Yeah. Say no, no, no. Say the joke. Say the nah, joke. I'm not saying the joke. Say the stuff. joke. Say the joke. You be in the OR. Nah. Yeah. I'm not saying the you joke be in the stuff. OR. So now the people want to
0: know. <laughs> no, nah, we not saying it.
1: The people want to know. Yeah, you you said you be in the OR, mm-hmm. and then you'd be like, "Yo, Doctor Jones, so you gonna take this? You know, you gonna finish up this whatever, whatever it is, and you'd be like, uh-uh, I gotta go see my kids. <laughs> I gotta go pick up my kids. Uh-uh." That was a running joke.
0: So, uh, that was not the running joke. <laughs> and I did say that joke. to you in confidence. So, listen. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? I told Dr. Jones you said that to me.
0: Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> listen, Dr. Jones, I appreciated everything that you did. Don't listen to her. So, no, I do. No, no, but no. But I do. But I do. Dr.
1: Jones, hold on. Let us give credit to Dr. Jones because that quote unquote running joke had a lot to do I think, with how we approach our family life today.
0: Man, that's what I'm getting to and that's what I'm talking about. So
1: then why don't you want to say what happened?
0: I am saying what happened, but you are like saying some type of joke that is like, all right, that's not the point. But anyway, so Dr. <laughs> Jones was very, very clear about, you know, his duties as a dad as well as the duties, you know, just as, you know, helping his wife out and so forth. And I, for me, that was dope. Um, were there other surgeons like that? No. So, <laughs> you know, he kind of st- stood out. And I think there were times where there was kind of snide comments in the background and so forth. But, you know, he never let the that go. He never, you know, succumbed to that. And I appreciated that. So for me, I felt like I had a really good experience as to, you know, this is one way of practicing surgery. And then here's another way of practicing surgery, particularly as a family man. So I had to give him props for that. Yeah. So, and, and I think that it's a tough balance. Um, it's tough. Yeah. it's really tough to do that, you know, because people do, in terms of, I think in terms of expectations of a surgeon, I don't think that pe- they, People publicly want you to be as good as you can be, and want you to spend a significant amount of time on your craft if you're going to operate on them. Correct, sure, of course. Right? So to find out that you're like you're surfing at the same time, and you know they're like, mm, like you need to be working on. I mean, your, but your nobody's a
1: one trick pony either. Get it? You know, I, I nobody's a one trick pony either. And I would actually argue that listen, if your surgeon, you know, doesn't have personal satisfaction in his or her life then you're probably not in very good hands. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll see. We don't know. You know? We don't know. So, I mean, that's what I would argue because I want the mental health of my surgeon to be, you know, to be well. You know, I don't want a surgeon who is, you know, necessarily, like, upset with, you know, or disgruntled with what they do because that is going to translate into the care that they give me. Sure. it's going to is going to translate into the interactions that they have with me or have with my family like I don't want that I hey. want you to be all in all there and satisfied.
0: Cameron Mills says she wanted him she wanted him around so much that she couldn't wait a year so she left him forever. mark what the F wTF are we talking about that makes zero sense? Most men retire at 67 and football is half the year. Get the F. Mm-hmm. get the F out of here that's what he says that's what Cameron Mills says
1: yeah well Cameron Mills ain't married to Tom Brady so
0: <laughs> when Cameron Mills
1: m- marries Tom Brady then Cameron Mills can have that strong of an opinion
0: <laughs> so a lot of like, like a lot of comments hold on let,
1: let us be clear though right? a lot there, of comments all Karen over the Mills place Cameron Mills is like well you know um, football is half the year so the, the other half half of the year he's just sitting down watching TV like Al Bundy <laughs> with his hand down his pants. He ain't doing nothing else. He not training. He not going anywhere. He's just home with the kids all day long, right? Secondly, how do we know that the retirement was going to be a year from now? It was supposed to be 40 days from before, and it wasn't. No, I don't get what so you're saying. What are you,
0: what are you talking about? What are you doing?
1: He's, he, the question was, she couldn't wait a year.
0: Oh, I see what How you're do saying. you
1: know that this was going to be a year in the making? What if he decided, no, I'm not gonna I'm not going to retire for another three years, another five years. Well, you know how
0: I mean a lot of people a lot of people tell. Talking
1: about people who retire at sixty seven, I'm like, people don't have. most people don't have the demanding job that Tom Brady has.
0: Well, I think some people you know, I mean, a lot of people on. are telling on themselves when they make these comments. Exactly. So I'm
1: like, dude, you like, get, you don't, you, you kind don't of te- like
0: you can kind of hold on a second. You can kind of just say, well, you know, there's certain comments that I think are kind of made out of emotion and so forth. So you can uh, see that, like, when they're really in this house, if they were living with someone and they made these type of comments, like, that's not how it would go.
1: Right. So, it's you know like, oh, he's good. You know, most people retire at 67. I'm like, most people ain't on the road. I can't and find any more of those comments. Doing all of those Things that Tom Brady is doing, so that literally is apples to oranges. It just doesn't even make any sense. So I'm like, come on, people, come with it. Come with, come, come with some real comments. Really, for real, yeah. like that. That comment, I'm sorry, like that doesn't even that I, doesn't hold. So if water. someone says
0: she knew what she was getting into. Watch Tom versus Time documentary, which is um, mm-hmm. I didn't even see that documentary, and let me know how their marriage were. She knew he wasn't retired. She knew he wasn't retired. He has too much passion for the game. There's more than just his retirement that has been the cause of the divorce. I think it's the sacrifice she made for him. So now I'm starting to really understand your point. Your point is is like, well, uh, basically it's not it's not the relationship between him and her. It's the mm-hmm. relationship with the kids. So if you're bringing kids in who don't really have a say as to if they're being brought into the world, mm-hmm. why or why are you putting them in a situation where it's very obvious that they're coming second? What right. are you teaching them and so forth? Right.
1: I mean, my my issue isn't with Giselle, right? Like I said, she's a big girl. Like, if it doesn't work out between the two of them, well, you know, it doesn't work out, right? Like, if she were just by herself with Tom, like they had no kids, then, yeah, I would say, you know what? You could probably, she could probably live wherever he is, right? Yeah, She could probably go wherever he is. They could, you know... He could continue to to play. She could continue to do her, what is she, a model? She could continue to do that stuff. They could do it separately, then meet in Paris, and then whatever, right? Like, they could do all of that. My problem is the children and... The children. The children. And my understanding from our original, from our previous um, episode, was that her main complaint was that they have three kids and he's not home. Right? It wasn't just, well, you're not home. No, You know, you can't talk to me right. and I want to talk to you. It, well, it, that's it, not what her main complaint was. Right. Her main complaint was her children. And when you see your children suffering in a way that you just feel like Yo, like come on, step up and be a dad. Like come on.
0: We got that part. Okay, hold on. You know? So someone else says, "Nah, she's being selfish, fellas. If you have to moderate your ambi- your ambition to appease shorty, <laughs> then that's a major yeah. red flag." M- Science- Moderated
1: for 20 years. Ho- ho- he, was, he was slow down, slow playing, down. Hold right? on. A second. Let me finish mm-hmm. this
0: signs will be there early avoid a hundred percent he's the greatest player in nfl history i don't agree with that he's the most accomplished player in nfl history he can get another supermodel in 10 seconds Mm. true laughing my ass off where did you hear like there's a whole bunch of different people shooting their shot at tom brady now oh i'm sure oh yeah laughing my ass off where's she gonna find another goat (laughs) <laughs> so well, she
1: don't need? She make more money than. Let him. me
0: see. <laughs> I agree with the first part, but at this point, what's the difference? So I wrote, I agree with the first part, but at this point, what's the difference between seven and eight rings? He's addicted to being away from his family. He writes, respectfully, I sincerely. Dispute When people say respectfully and then they like, or whatever. What, what, anyway. I don't know
1: what that means. Anyway,
0: respectfully, I sincerely dispute that. I don't think he has a desire to be absent from his family. Moreover, I am confident mm. that his children will be understanding when they are adults. Mm. I also find yeah. it quite ironic. Would Giselle have even looked in his direction if he didn't have three Super Bowls when they met? That's a point. Um, if, if, I mean, you agree that's a point?
1: That's I don't know. I don't, I, I mean... Yeah, people who look at each other, right, to get together, they look at whether or not they're accomplished. Well, he didn't consider her being a supermodel uh, a plus for him, too. Of course. Exactly. So for me, I'm like, oh, he had three rings, so she really wanted him. I'm like, dude, she was a supermodel. I mean... Come on, like what, well, I think the point. I mean, what I are we, we talking point, about here? Well, I think <laughs> the point
0: is basically this type of behavior of him being all out, you know, playing and all that yeah. stuff. Like the fact that at this point, I don't know if they met when he had three Super Bowls, or not. he might have, but basically the level. I mean, he was already an
1: accomplished player. The
0: level, well, more than just the accomplishment. Yes, he's very accomplished, but the level of um, detail mm-hmm. and the level of commitment and dedication he has to staying in shape. Yeah. Was already there. The seeds were already there and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, let me see what else you finish. She I says, mean, there's nothing the wrong same, with that. The same personality traits that led to that success are the same reasons she wants a divorce. Mm. She wanted the benefits of being married to the goat on that front end without the costs on the back end. Mm. You, asked what, you asked the difference <laughs> between seven and eight. That's my question. Mm-hmm. There isn't much different, but that isn't a point. Law. But I think that's the point, though. I'm like, yo, listen, like, once you get seven, eight, like, but, I mean, you can get to like twenty Super Bowls. That's why i watch, like, look, man, ain't nobody so breaking these records. So why are,
1: I think, people are more concerned about the relationship between him and her. Like, what are we talking about here? Oh, well, you know, he has Super Bowl rings, so where's she gonna find another guy with that many Super Bowl rings? I'm like. Yeah, but she was a supermodel and she make more money than you. So, I mean, what are we talking about? We're not talking about why the two of them got together. We're not even talking about the, the you know, just the intensity with which they both went after their careers. What we're talking about is, dude, if you were so intent about this career, why the hell did you have children? Why did you have children then? Like, that's my question. Why have children if you're just going to put them second? And for me, all of those comments that literally ignore the fact that he has children makes me really wonder, like, so y'all not concerned about his children at all? Y'all are not concerned about the impact of this, you know, putting them second on his children at all? Like, they're just not. They're just more concerned about the superficial, like, ah, oh, who had one up on the other before they got together. So I'm was, like, that's there stupid. Was a post they got a prenup. What do we care?
0: There was a post. Well, you don't know if they had a prenup. I'm sure they but had a But there was a, a post that Come says, Come on now. Ain't we no want supermodel pre-nup. in
1: a... Ain't no supermodel and a football player getting together and they ain't got no prenup. We don't know about that. Okay. Because if they didn't, let me tell you, that would have came out already.
0: Any topic that (laughs) involves family and marriage is such a sensitive line to walk on. That's one of our captions, right? Yeah. And we should never reach the point where we are to choose between career or family. And Dr. Hisla Bates says, Team Giselle. So apparently she's on Team Giselle. Mm -hmm. She is absolutely on point. You don't give kids time. Then they get dollars, and in the end, the dollars are not always worth the sacrifice Mm -hmm. if you don't have the time. But he got a lot of money, yo. So
1: yeah, so you want to throw money at our kids, and then I'll see. I don't have Tom
0: Brady money, so I can't say that. Well, You could throw any money. If I had Tom Brady money, if I had Tom Brady money, then I'd have a little bit of extra money now, so they won't know the difference. That's just saying. That's just saying. But hey, I mean, they won't know the
1: difference. So you think so? No, you don't think they know the difference? They won't know the difference.
0: I don't know, Renee. I don't know. They won't. I don't know. They know the difference. If but they-
1: here's my thing. My thing is, for all the guys who are just talking about, you know, that that aspect of it, right, of, well, the relationship between him and Giselle and she knew and all this kind of stuff. For me, I, my question to those guys is, Are you? would you be okay walking away from your children and telling them that, no, I'd rather be at work than to be at home with you? For me, that's the question, because that's literally what we're talking about here. Wait, we're say that not- again?
0: Would you be— would you would, be- you
1: would you be okay with saying to your children, "Look, I'd rather be at work. I want not be here with you. I don't want to be here with you. I want to be at work. I, trust me, I'm, I'm going to make enough money to take care of you, so you'll have money. But I just don't feel like spending time with you. And for me, that's what his action well, says since to you put his it that children. Way. Oh my well, I, but I, that's that's what I said in the last <laughs> episode. But that's what I said in the last episode. You'll notice in the last episode. I never actually talk about his relationship with Giselle. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I talked specifically about his relationship with his children and forming a family that he was not dedicated to. He is dedicated to football. And so, you know...
0: So I found a study, right? So I, I I get what you're saying. So I found a study, this is in the BMJ, which was formerly known as the British Medical Journal, and it is a study that talks about the divorce rates in doctors. The objective of this study is to estimate the prevalence and incidence of divorce among US physicians compared with other healthcare professionals, lawyers and non-healthcare professionals and to analyze factors associated with divorce among physicians. Mm, this is all a retrospective analysis, right? This is um surveys that were conducted by the US Census or based off of studies conducted by the US Census between 2008 and 2013 all in the United States. We had about 48,000 physicians, 10,000 dentists, 13,000 pharmacists one hundred and fifty-nine thousand nurses, eighteen thousand healthcare executives, fifty-nine thousand lawyers, and six million other non-healthcare professionals. All right. So basically, the results are after adjustment of blah 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 blah. The probability of being ever divorced among physicians evaluated at the mean value of the blah 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 blah. Basically, this is saying that. Physicians were less likely than those in most other occupations to divorce in the past year, right? In a different type of analysis among physicians, divorce prevalence was greater among women, right? Mm -hmm. In the analysis stratified by physician sex... Greater weekly work hours were associated with increased divorce prevalence only for physician, only for female physicians.
1: Mm, so if women worked more
0: Which is why I asked you that question. Yeah. If so women the conclusion more. of this study is, is divorce among physicians is less common than among non-healthcare workers in several healthcare professions. Female physicians have a substantially higher prevalence of divorce than male physicians.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which may be partly attributable to a different effect of hours worked on divorce. So what I have to say about this is, what I have to say about this is, and I've been thinking about this. I was like, hmm, you know, why is it? Why, why did this study come out like this? But I'm, and the reason I asked you is, is, well, I wonder if there's different societal norms on a woman who is going gung ho in her career and happens to be of married, course. right? And I, I wonder if divorce is brought on by the spouse who's at home most of the time
1: Mm. or because it doesn't say who initiated. Do you see what I'm saying? So
0: I'm very interested if there's repercussions to being gung ho in your career and just kind of just saying, I'm going to be full time and I know I'm away, but this is the career that I, that I want. Mm -hmm. This is the the medical career that I'm going to go after. And these are the consequences and let them lay where they're lay. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if men kind of have less of a, what's the word I want to use less of a tolerance for that as opposed to women. I don't know. I don't know. if I mean, I would not be,
1: I would not be surprised if that was a, at least one reason that men might have less of a tolerance, um, you know, to women who are, you know, really gung ho working long hours. Um, There was someone had posted something else similar um, on social media. I forget who it was but there was um, another study, I think that showed something about like if women, oh God, what was it? Something about, oh, if women were more successful in their careers as men, or than men, then the women, then the men actually were were not happy. Their satisfaction levels went down. Even if the man made more money then the woman
0: Wait, say that again? If so what?
1: if so if a woman if a woman had a success, if she had a win. Okay. Right? That in in a heterosexual relationship, if the woman had a win, a promotion, a raise, a, some accolades, some recognition that her husband or her male partner's satisfaction level with the relationship went down. Are you serious? Yeah. Even Damn. even when even when he, even cold. when he made more money than her. Even when he made more money Is than Is it because
0: her. well we don't know why, but did they well, give an we, explanation as no, to why or no,
1: it was a it was a quick real thing. Um but you know, I just found that very interesting. Like, wow. I wonder if like, the
0: men see it as a threat.
1: Right. You know, do they see it as a threat? Um, and we know that, you know, men You know, stereotypically anyway, and this has been proven by data, but that, you know, men feel more comfortable when they are the breadwinner. So I can't I can't really
0: I can't really talk about the threat thing because I don't have that type of experience. But um, why
1: are you sending me out to work like an ox?
0: Well, I I think that (laughs) from my perspective, I'm just kind of used to being the person. I'm like a provider mentality and stuff. Mm hmm. Provide a mentality. So I'm I have it in my mind that, you know, I work to bring, you know, a certain, you know, to bring food home or to bring money home and so Mm -hmm. forth. And I remember when I was I interviewed Doc G. Mm -hmm. The first time I interviewed Doc G, Doc G is a doctor who is a, um, he's a palliative care doctor, Mm -hmm. but he hit financial independence in his mid forties. Yeah. And actually you would think like everybody would be like, oh man, you, you won the award. Like you're going to be happy. You're going to ride off into the sunset. You're going to retire now. And he retired, Mm -hmm. but he actually went through a whole like depression spell. Yeah. Mainly because his entire identity was wrapped around being a physician. And then second, the second identity was him being the breadwinner. Right. And he, although, you know, he had a very positive relationship with his wife, Mm -hmm. that notion of not going to work and then bringing home the bacon, so to speak, put him into he lost his identity. Yeah. Right. So I could definitely see myself kind of just struggling and figuring out like, okay, who am I? Like I put so much stock into one being a doctor and then second, I put another stock into taking pride and saying that, you know what, I'm going to go to work and, you know, bring home X, Y and Z. Mm -hmm. You just have that provider mentality now. Would I be okay with you going out and working and working more than me and bringing more than me? You know me already. Hell yeah. I'm like, you, you go work. Too. You better work. Cause I, I grew up you in a know household. you
1: be like, you be that check girl.
0: I grew up in a household where my dad was working full time and my mother worked full time. So yes. for me to have, you know, you remember like I had a problem with you working part time. like, what are you talking about? You better pull you know, more than your weight and, and work full time, right? Like, And I, you look know. at
1: you, happy now.
0: Well, I, it's not that it, it's, it's – I'm happy that you're happy, right? <laughs> so it has nothing to do with, like, whether you're working less or not, right? I just want <laughs> you to be comfortable with the situation that's going on. And yeah. I think that's ultimately the most important thing. Are you comfortable with the current situation that we right. have? Right. And are we in a situation where, overall, we're comfortable financially? Right. And overall, this is where we want to be with raising our kids and in our family. That's the most important thing, mm-hmm. right? But are there times when I'm like, damn, like if we had full-time, you know, two full-time salaries, mm-hmm. we'd be way ahead of where we want to be, particularly mm-hmm. in our, you know, aspirations for, for fire? Absolutely. But, you know, the consequences... Of maybe possibly having to get a nanny, mm-hmm. you know, possibly not being around our kids much, you know, yes. us feeling like we're two sailing ships, kind of going past mm-hmm. each other. You know, I come in at night, you go in during the daytime, yep. or just in general, we're not seeing each other because I'm on call when you're on call, or exactly. you know, I'm post call when you are just starting your call. It's just it's not going to work, <laughs> right. right?
1: It's the so. it's the daily dynamics of a relationship that I think people are not thinking about, right? If you're single and you're watching this and you're like, oh, what's you know, what's the problem? This, that, and the other. That was me. I was there. Yeah. You know, it's like even as a newlywed, like you did not understand the ramifications of the way that we could potentially work. We even at one point had interviewed at separate hospitals, at different hospitals. Remember? Yeah. In Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. In the Bethlehem area. Oh, yeah. And we that we, that was not going to work. That was not going to work. And I'm glad that that didn't work out because I just kept thinking. If we work at different hospitals, we will never see each other. And for two people who had a long distance relationship for seven out of the ten years, you know, that we had been dating, that was that was a recipe for disaster. Like that would have been, that would have been disastrous. You know what I mean? I, I, so, I, I agree with you. So that. I think that people are, you know, being naive to understanding the everyday dynamics that a family actually has to go through. Um, and understand the the relationships that are supposed to form, but that don't necessarily form, and how, you know, just different, different aspects in your life make it so much more clear that this thing is happening. You know what I mean? So, it, for example, right, like, you know, if we... Halloween, right? Let's talk about Halloween. So it was really important for our son... To, you know, have us pick him up from school for Halloween and, you know, take him trick-or-treating and all this <laughs> kind of stuff, right? For You know, you might think, oh, what's the big deal? Like- I just think practice. What I'm thinking about is <laughs> what <laughs>
0: Halloween in a Darko house when I was growing up in Queens oh Le,
1: it's just a Le, different Lafrax City different, different vibe
0: Hallow- there was no Halloween right we was watching Halloween on TV but my mom was not letting us go trick-or-treating <laughs> what Josephine Darko can we different go trick-or-treating what
1: <laughs> different vibe
0: an African mom in Queens, New York
1: what is this trick-or-treat
0: <laughs> nah yo. and now we got a kid who just expect you know but anyway no it's but, cool though
1: you know but you know here, here's the thing right there was one point at which we didn't know exactly what your schedule was going to be, yeah. remember? And, you know, our son, our five-year-old asked, like, if you were going to be there for Halloween. And I was, I, I was like, you know, I don't I don't know. We don't know Papa's schedule yet. And he just was not happy with that answer. And not to say, you know, you're supposed to do everything, you know, that your kid wants you to do. You better be happy when I'm working and you get that money paying I understand you 5 that. But that's just... <laughs> One. That's just one event.
0: Investing VTI.
1: Anyway, that's just one event, mm-hmm. right? But multiply that by the school play, the you know the recital, the swim classes, the you know. You talking about these are things that get missed. right? D- multiply that a million times, right? And then say like, if that happens so many times, and especially as the kid gets older and realizes. Dude, you show up for everybody else's stuff, but you don't show up for me. You don't show up for my stuff because you're always working. Then, yeah, that can that can build resentment oh, within a child. So
0: that, that was what I was trying to get to. I didn't finish the—you kept cutting me off with the Sorry. joke, the running joke and stuff. But <laughs> with Dr. Jones, there was another surgeon who's extremely well-known, wrote textbooks at that facility who had, like, an estranged relationship you know, mm-hmm. with, with his children and stuff. And, you know, that's not the life that I wanted at all. So, right. you know, you, you don't want to, I guess in that perspective, w- like, what's the point of getting all of this accolades when you can't celebrate it with people who you love, you mm-hmm. trust the most. Right. And that's, I guess the whole gist of this whole conversation is obviously, look, we're not here to cast any aspersions on that relationship because we don't know anything what's really what's going right, on. But right, from the outside looking right. in, it looks like there's some, there's some things that we can yeah. get and talk about within our realm, within physician realm and so forth. So,
1: yeah. And yeah. I think that's an important caveat, right? Like, I know I speak very passionately about that. And, you know, yeah, you cut me
0: off and talking over yeah, me. I'm like, what's like, going on, know, man?
1: We had some comments we had to answer. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, we don't necessarily know, right? We can only, um, you know, guess potentially what might be happening in that household just based on the things that they have made public but i do want to be clear that they have made things public right we're not looking at just paparazzi chasing people around and you know putting out tabloid um information these are people who have actually put out statements and they are you know making appearances about this thing or they are at least sending out their publicists to to make a comment about what's going on in their lives. So, in that respect, if you're making that public, you know, then it's fair game. Um but, you know, hopefully in the long run, you know, n- nobody wishes divorce for anyone um for the most part, but sometimes the separation or the the ending of a marriage could actually be the beginning um of good things to come, especially if The marriage at any point became volatile, um, whether, you know, verbally or physically, which they never said anything about that. But um, in general, I think we need to also understand that sometimes divorce is not a bad thing, that that might actually be the thing that that brings the family closer.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I just think I'm very fascinated as to the comments that, you know, some of these people make. And I wonder if a lot of the comments that they're saying are just projections of what they really think. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is anonymous. Mm -hmm. Not using their real names and so forth. It's the same thing with the Will Smith and Chris Rock thing. Like, oh, that wouldn't have been me or that could be this or whatever type of notion. And I think what you end up looking and seeing when you sit back, you're just like, oh, a lot of y'all are telling on yourselves. Either there's a bunch of insecurities that you all have and based off of your comments, you can sense the mm-hmm. air of insecurity, um, or you can sense the take the sense of damn y'all some violent mugs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that y'all Chris are rocking. Really, y'all are really violent. Yeah, and people
1: people showed some violent tendencies. Yeah, I can't yeah. front.
0: So I I just think that sometimes, well not sometimes, a lot of times the comments that we get, or even the comments that I see on Twitter, even more so now with Twitter. I don't even know if Twitter even Tw- Twitter is basically like Mad Max. Child. It's like. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You, we don't need another yo,
0: hero. Yes, we do in terms of CEO. Oh my God, <laughs> we, yo, damn. we need
1: another CEO.
0: Hey, yo. But I do think a lot of times people just say things and they go, you know, basically balls to the wall because they know yeah. that you can't identify them. Exactly. There's no repercussions, which and there shouldn't guess be. But They don't These know what comments. they would
1: actually do in that situation. So...
0: But I think we've gone through this for like 40-something minutes. Let's... I think it's time to let's put Let's wind it down. Let's put this to rest. Let's so wind it down. Let's jump into a question from the audience. So, as you all know, um, there's kind of two ways that you can work. There's the way where you are employed by a hospital and... They have a schedule you work that schedule and then you go home and that schedule has you know co-workers and people who work together and everybody has a certain amount of shifts that they have to work and that's it and for in exchange for that you get a salary that salary is going to cover and have a bunch of benefits and not only take care of your salary but you're going to have some fringe benefits in there basically that's what i'm saying when you work as an independent contractor although you're doing the same thing clinically how you get paid and the benefits that you take home, all of those different things kind of show up in a different form. Is that the best way? They change. They change. You
1: have no benefits, basically.
0: You have no benefits, so you have to make sure that you go for a higher rate, right? So imagine – calling in a plumber to fix something in your house, right? Mm-hmm. Like they are going to give you a rate that's going to be the going rate to pay for what's going on in your pipe and, or going on in your pipe work in your house. But also at the same time, like that price is not just what's the going rate. That price kind of takes into account what it takes to drive to your house, you know, tools and all of these different things mm-hmm. that they have to do to, to get that job done. Yeah. Basically, what I'm saying is someone wrote in who does locum tenens and said, should I negotiate a higher base pay or negotiate a higher callback rate? So what oh, that means, Oh, that's a right? good question. So what that means basically is, is when I go into the hospital, I charge a certain rate and I get paid per hour for that rate.
1: As the base rate.
0: Right. As the base rate. And no matter what I do during that hour or several hours, I'm going to be paid that amount. Right. If I work past that point, let's say I work past 12 hours, I get to charge the hospital overtime. So my shift is 12 hours. Mm -hmm. But let's say I have to do an operation that goes into hour 13, hour 14, hour 15, Mm -hmm. right? It it can occur, right? You get a gallbladder Mm -hmm. that comes in at hour 10 and -hmm. it ends up being this prolonged case that Mm -hmm. you get to charge overtime to the hospital. Mm -hmm. The question that this person asks is, is it better to negotiate that you get paid a larger, higher amount up front or should you just say, you know what, I'll take a smaller amount and just take a higher overtime pay rate, knowing that I'm going to get called in for overtime much more? Right? Yeah. And
1: the other way, so that that's one way. So Hopefully everybody
0: if, understands what I'm explaining. Yeah.
1: Well, that's one way, right, where you know, okay, 12 hours, because you're in-house. Right. Right. So you're in-house. That might look a little bit differently for people who are not necessarily in-house. So, for example oftentimes I would work with a base rate. I wasn't in-house. I had a basically pager call where I would stay in a hotel and then I would get paid just to be available. That's the base rate. So if I'm available 24 hours, I would get this base rate for 24 hours. But if my pager goes off or my phone goes off and then I get called into the hospital, at that point, I can start charging the hospital usually you start charging the hospital between hour zero and hour two, something like that.
0: So let's, let's use the numbers. Let's say, for example, so, yeah. let's say for, for example, you get, so what you're saying is you get to a hotel and the minute you start working at seven o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. you are going to be working from seven in the morning until seven a.m. the next, next morning. morning. But you stay in your hotel. Right. Let's say they're going to pay you a hundred bucks for the entire twenty four hours.
1: Right. That, that is, is a, that would not be the number. Guys,
0: do not use these numbers. These are numbers. <laughs> I'm just making up these numbers.
1: It's just
0: for comparison's sake. <laughs> just but for let's,
1: simplicity. Let's just
0: say they pay you a hundred dollars for the entire right. twenty four hours. Right. That includes that one hundred dollars includes that. You I'm are available. You're available and that you're going to see patients. Let's just say let's do it generically. Right. Okay. Let's just say you're going to see patients for up to two hours. Right. Yeah, sometimes so that happens. All the patients that are in house, that means that she's going to go in, see the patients, round on all the patients. And if she works up to two hours, she gets 100 bucks. Right. If she goes back to her hotel and never has to come back in again. Then it was a hundred bucks for the day. She gets a hundred dollars for an entire day. But let's say, for example, you get called in Mm -hmm. past the two hours, like you've already seen your patients. And now it's like you're spending hour three, you're four hours in, five hours in.
1: Yeah, let's say there's like three C-sections and five deliveries that I do. And then I end up going back to the hospital and it ends up being you know, a 10-hour stint, right, Right on top of the two hours. So total, you know, 12 hours. But that first two hours, we already covered in the base rate. So those next 10 hours, those next 10 hours would be at some sort of hourly rate. Let's just
0: say $50 an hour.
1: Right. Extra. So it would be like $50 an hour, right? So on hour three, I would start charging $50 an hour through hour 10. It's $50 per hour, right? Right. So the, your question, the yeah. question that you're getting Yeah, is... so the question
0: is, is should you stay at $100 and try to maybe negotiate like maybe $75 an hour for overtime or, you know, $100 an hour for overtime? Or does it make sense to just say, you know what? Just for being here, instead of just getting $100 to be here for 24 hours, maybe I should just charge like 500 bucks. Just right. give, me, give me 500 bucks and then for anything overtime... Like $25 and so mm-hmm. forth, which makes sense. And yeah. I think that's a very, that's very a great question. good question. And the reason we bring it up is I know the majority of you all are probably going to be like, eh, I'm going to be working at a hospital. I'm going to be employed and so forth. What's the big deal and mm-hmm. so forth? But I think there's a lot of people who are, you know, they have contracts with urgent care facilities. Mm-hmm. They have contracts with uh, private practices. They have obviously contracts with hospitals where they're working as locum. So let's jump into it. What do you say Dr. Renee, what's, what's what's the most important thing?
1: Well, I think you need to establish what you're willing to get out of bed for. I think that's the first thing. Okay, So which means... <laughs> that's not which, the approach I thought you were going to take, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, which means that your base rate is something that you got to feel comfortable. Like if nothing else happens, that it was worth it for you to get out of bed to be able to do this, you know, to do this job. So let's say you decide, you know what, my base rate is going to be $2500. If I make $2500 over this 24-hour period that I was, you know, available and that's all I make, then I'm comfortable with that. Like if if that's your number, then you got to be comfortable with it. However, you what you have to understand is you have to understand the place at which you work. And that's that's where the numbers start to play around a little bit, right? Because if you decide that 2500 is your number, okay, but you negotiate a lower base rate and say, okay, well, my base rate is $1,000, okay? And I'm just going to bank on the fact that I'm going to get called in to make that $2,500, you know, to make that $2,500, you know, by working and the place is slow, you might not get called in. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
0: $1,000 is all you got.
1: So $1,000 is all you're going to get, right? So for the people in the back who didn't hear me, you have to decide what you are willing to get out of bed for. That's number one. And number two, you have to also know What is the volume of work that you are most likely going to encounter? So for me, if you're asking me the question, it's always a good idea to get that base rate. That's what I was about to say. Just
0: get to the point, yo. I don't know why you're making this hard. Yo, I want the base rate high. That's what I do.
1: I understand that. I get that. Always. I get that.
0: I think it's always important to get the base pay. Get my money.
1: I get that. But the reason I went through that whole exercise (laughs) is because... People who are just starting out are not going to, they're not going to understand that. that And they're not.
0: Get that money. You want to say it one more time? Get money. What you saying, huh? Get money. What you say? What you saying, huh? Get that base pay. I'm done. Go ahead.
1: Very good. So the reason that I went through that whole exercise is because people need to understand why you are getting the base rate as high as you possibly can. They're not going to feel comfortable negotiating something if they don't understand why, which you had that same you know discussion with a colleague of yours. Oh, I was about to
0: say, I'd never had that
1: problem. No, not you, but you had that same discussion. <laughs> not all me. <laughs> you had that same discussion with a colleague of yours recently where he did not negotiate the base rate, and then he didn't get called in.
0: I say get paid the most amount for the bare minimum. That's it.
1: And what happened was... So. He didn't realize what he was willing to get out of bed for until he wasn't paid what he was willing to get out of bed for. But by then the contract was signed and it was too late and he was literally making you know, a fraction of what he was willing to get out of bed for, because what do you mean? What do you mean? Get
0: out of bed at the hotel or get out of bed from his house? No,
1: no, get out of, when I say get out of bed, get about, get out of bed for, um, for the actual job, not, not the callback. I'm saying to actually do the job. he
0: was pissed that he was there and not getting paid much at all. But that's what I'm saying. But he wasn't, he wasn't he wasn't getting called at all. Right. So he was like, well, I'm in this hotel and I'm not getting paid nothing. Exactly. Nathan, so why am I here? Exactly. And I was like, so would you negotiate? And he was saying, I negotiated. I didn't mind keeping the base rate low because I was told that the right. I was told that the um volume of work. The volume of work was a lot, which would mean that I would get a lot of overtime. <laughs> and then when and he, he got he there, it. it was crickets. So now he has this low pay. He's losing well, excuse me, he's getting a significant low amount of money being there. And it's like mm-hmm. Yeah, is right. it really worth your time to be there? Right. Because if you're gonna get. Because I think one thing I definitely learned from you is is what's worth your time. Because if it's if there's a certain amount of money or if there's an X amount of dollars that makes it worth your time, then yes, you're gonna be there. But if there's an X amount of dollars mm-hmm. that is not worth your time, then you might not. You might you might as well not go at all. Right. Right. Exactly. You might as well not even take that money. Right. Exactly. It's like saying, okay, would you rather work? Like when I mentioned that one hundred dollars for twenty four hours, right? Yeah. Like that is a low amount for people for someone that's to be that's zero dollars to me. <laughs> you might as well just say I'm not coming. <laughs> oh right. I'm not coming because it's a waste of I'm time. So leave that's leave what I'm house, talking leave about. Leave my
1: family travel there. Have the inconvenience of getting there. No, I'm not gonna do that.
0: I think the, this guy had the equivalent of that amount. Right. Basically, which is and the same question that I know exactly who asked this question I'm like wait for all the work that you're doing which this person is doing actually the equivalent of two specialties mm-hmm. GI as well as general surgery mm-hmm. I don't think that it's worth it for the amount that right. he was saying to go and travel and do locums at a, at a hospital for this amount you right. might as well just stay home and just like right. stay and chill.
1: right yeah. so you know all money ain't good money yeah. that's number one and all money ain't worth your time So, you know, you should always try to get your base rate as high as it will go. Figure out what you're willing to leave your house for or get out of bed for. That's what I say. But, um, you know, you want to get that base pay as high as you possibly can. And then the
0: other thing is you'll never, ever really know. So they'll say a lot of places will entice you by saying that it's very busy, Um, Or this is what to expect. Mm -hmm. And this is based off of a phone call. Right. Right. So you won't know until you get there, which means that you've already signed on the dotted line Mm -hmm. that you're going to give your time and you're going to give uh, a certain amount of. Well, you're going to give a certain amount of time at this Mm -hmm. place. And that's when you'll really know what the, you know how it is on the ground, so to speak. So for me, I'm like, look, I'm going to protect myself by always negotiating a higher base rate because I just want to make sure that if I do um, what is to be expected of me, which is why I say what is the minimum, what is expected for me, I want to make sure that I'm going to get paid well for it. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure, like you said, that it's worth my time to come out there. So if I don't get any calls whatsoever, which for me, I'm like, I hope I don't get any calls. (laughs) I just want to do my job and then I'm heading back. But if I have to, I just want to make sure this is all of this is worth the time and effort to go and leave my family, to go fly or to go drive and be several hours away. So number one thing that I would tell people is go after the base pay. Some people may feel differently and be like, hey. You know, if they are already at a facility, because some people may be at a facility. Mm-hmm. They've been there for several years and it's time to renegotiate.
1: Right. And they negotiate a independent contract. Right. Right. And
0: so that may be different when you say, you know what? I know the lay of the land. I've been here for several years. We actually had that two about a year ago where someone was an OB doc was working at mm-hmm. a hospital. Mm-hmm. And he just decided that, you know what? I want to do the contract on my own. Right. He's been there for several years. And for him, it may make, more, may make more sense to convince the hospital, you know what? Pay me less. Right. Pay me less for my base rate and then give me more on the yeah, overtime on the, side. Yeah. And exactly. then he's making on the bacon. Callback. But yeah. I just, I don't want that at all.
1: Right. Well, because yeah. the other thing is that you never know when things are going to change. Right. Right. You don't know when things are going to change. So right now, the volume looks great, but... Let the hospital get bought out by whatever. Let another program come in. It's a dangerous game. Right? And then now you have a competing program that, you know, it's like, oh, we had this, you know, robust, you know, OB program. And it's like, okay, well, now they have a family medicine residency. Now what are you going to do? Well, the
0: other thing, too, is that you've seen places, like, mm-hmm. lose... Implode. Like, lose an OB practice oh, or yeah. lose a, a, a certain type of practice. And yeah. then, like you said, all of the expectations... Go how you're gonna, you're gonna are going to going to go out the window? Yeah. So you're kind of left with okay, what's the base pay? You might as well just go after that. That's my thought process. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, I think you protect yourself. I yeah. think that's that's what you do.
0: So we all we both agree. The consensus is always go for a higher base rate. I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to negotiate as much as you can get for any type of situation, but I think the most important, the priority should always be on getting as much as you can get base pay for the minimum amount of work that you're expected to do. And then if you can get more in terms of um, a callback or what they call overtime, then go for that. Mm -hmm. But if it's one or the other... Base rate for me. Base rate. This is simple. Yeah. Simple, simple, simple. Yep. And uh, I can't remember which episode was with Dr. or was with uh, James Dockery, the lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got a lot of positive feedback on our Instagram reels as well as a YouTube shorts. A lot of people liked this episode and a lot of people liked, you know, who should get a contract negotiation, mm-hmm. why you should consider getting an expert for your contract negotiations. And basically, he's saying that the lawyers have, or excuse me, the hospital has spent a significant amount mm-hmm. of money paying for lawyers to write all of these contracts in their favor, mm-hmm. right? And I think a lot of people don't really get that concept. Like right. the, the the contract for the most part, you can expect it to be fair, mm-hmm. right? Or but at least- favorable to the- Favorable. Yeah. It, that's a really great point. You described it it's favorable to the hospital. And for you to go in and not know any of this legalese knowledge, they're not teaching this stuff in med school or residency, and to go in and just say, I trust, I trust, I trust- I think that's a very dangerous situation to go yeah. into and to like forego this based off of like 600 bucks or 1200 bucks or, you know, when, whatever it is, when that lawyer can get you multiples of that. Right. I multiples. think in this
1: day and age, yeah. honestly, I, I just find it very surprising that there are still doctors who don't get someone to look at their contract. You know, don't especially get if journey.
0: they don't have especially if they don't have knowledge. Right. Because we, we do. There are times when we kind of do our own. You know.
1: Well, yeah, no, of course, we've been working with the, with our attorney for the longest time, right? right? So for our independent contracts, you know, our, our contracts were actually already um, you know done and revised and everything with the with the help of our lawyers. So any of the changes, as long as they are not major, major changes to the provisions in the contract, Then at that point, there's really no need to actually get the lawyer to look at it because we already paid him to do that. I'm talking about, you know, especially employed docs who are getting contracts from a brand new hospital and Fresh fresh out or changing jobs, you know, even 15 years in, you're changing jobs. And you're not getting someone to look at that contract. You don't know this facility and you're doing it as an employee doc, not even as an independent contractor where you have a very easy out because employee docs don't necessarily have an easy out, right? Because we're talking about a lot of sign-on bonuses. We're talking about, Golden handcuffs. you know, yeah. The, n- the number of months that you have to give in advance, you know, all kinds of things. We remember we had a contract when we were employed they were renewing all the contracts of the employees and i get my contract and it says that i'm going to work you know for this particular healthcare system the problem was that i was working at a specific facility okay i was working at that particular facility which the healthcare system had bought but once i once the contract went to be renewed what i noticed was it didn't say that i was working for that facility. It said I was working for the healthcare system. I was like, oh, because y'all got facilities all over Western Pennsylvania. So you could literally send me fifty miles away to go and work. Now that's not gonna happen. Now the
0: funny part is when you brought it up to your colleagues, they were like, Oh, that would they were like, that would never happen. Yep. And even the, I think the chief medical, or no, the chief, the CEO was like, oh, that's not going to happen. Yep. like We're not going to send you all the way to like 50 miles away yep. to go and practice from your home base. And lo and behold. What did they do? They went ahead and they closed the facility. They
1: closed another facility. Yeah, they closed another yep. facility.
0: And those doctors had to come up to your facility. yep And that was like a, what? That was like a 30 mile, 40 mile drive. Yeah. Yeah. And they still had a clinic there. Yeah. They had a clinic that was 30 miles away, but when they had to do a delivery, they had to do it at your facility. Yep. Which was Z. Yep. Oh, yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Could, could and it my, pra- me. my partner, it she
1: was like, oh, my God. She's like, you call that. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, listen, when you're reading a contract, don't get all, you know, don't get all googly-eyed over the salary. Let me tell you, when I, when I think about a contract— the money is literally the last thing that I think about because I got to think as to whether or not it's even worth it for me to take a dollar from this facility because I I need to know whether or not it's worth my time to work there. Once I figure out it's worth my time to work there, now we can talk about money, but we're going to take care of everything else before that because I'm not wasting my time just because you paying me a, a certain amount of money. To be unhappy, Nah, that's not going to happen. We're going to work out all the provisions, so
0: I, I'll, I'll be then very the hon- money. I'll be very honest with everyone. Whenever I look at a contract, the number one thing I look at is how did we? How do we get into this contract? And then the next thing after that is how do we get out of the contract? Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing that I always mm-hmm. look, like, look at when I look at a contract. And then the second thing after that that I look at, um, I think salary is probably like the third, fourth, or fifth it's thing. It's the last thing for me. I look at the call schedule. Um, I look at the, um, I look at something that is called, how do we actually like terminate? It's not really number one, which is how do you get it out of contract, but mm-hmm. it's like, how can the hospital terminate without actually letting me know? Cause that's mm-hmm. really important because I want to know how much leeway they have to just right. be like, yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to work this contract anymore and stuff. So yep. that's super important to me to find that out also. Yep. And to be honest with you, I would just say, listen, you know, I, to anybody who's listening to this right now and is struggling with deciding, hey, should I get a lawyer to read my contract, review my contract, and possibly even negotiate? I mean, I think you really need to go back and rewind five minutes, ten minutes to what we said, which is, listen, like, you're going into this fight. It's like Samson versus Goliath, right? <laughs> is it?
1: It's David, babe.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> growing up in Lefrak City, man. I don't know any of this stuff, man. Come on.
1: What does Lefrak City have to do with man, we the fact that we you don't know we do like Bible references? Bible
0: references? No. man, that's not... What's Samson then? Samson's the hair?
1: Samson's the hair, babe. <laughs>
0: Yo. Okay, so David <laughs> David and Goliath like you literally are coming in with a pea shooter or with a slingshot? Right. Mm -hmm. And you really want to make sure that your slingshot is as heavy as possible and you're going to take out that eye, which is, you know, the most vulnerable part, vulnerable part of the hospital, which is that contract and getting someone to review this for you. And yes, the upfront free fee may be something that is a little bit, you know, intimidating, but I could tell you right now it is nowhere near what you paid for ERAS. It's nowhere near what you paid to apply to go to medical school. It is nowhere near what you paid to go to all of these different conferences and all these different things. It is Where nothing was guaranteed. Nothing actually, was guaranteed. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think that um, you guys should really consider that. Yeah. I think you guys should really consider that. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, nobody is going to look at you differently. The hospital, the private practice that you're negotiating with, they're not going to look at you any differently if you decide to get well, at least they're not going to look at you in a negative fashion right. if you get a lawyer. It's, it's a par- smart thing to do. I think it's a smart thing to do. And I think it's par for the course. And I think at, to this, at this time now, I think actually people would be surprised that you don't get a lawyer. And they mm-hmm. may just be like,
1: what a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> About so, to do all these calls. Yeah, About to so, do all these calls. So I,
0: I think we settled that down. But listen, let's, let's quickly jump into World Cup. The Qatar World Cup accommodations. We're going to keep this short, really quick. Um, You know, obviously, I'm rooting for Ghana. We lost to Portugal. Um, It really should have been a tie game, but anyway, um, rooting for Portugal. We're literally the the size of Oregon, and the fact that we're able to stay up with you know a lot of these really amazing countries like Portugal and you know whatever. You know, long story short, I'm I'm rooting for them. Yeah, I'm rooting for the United States also. And shout out to the head coach who went to St. Benedict's, rooting for them also and stuff. But (laughs) I think it's amazing to see. You know, a little country like Ghana, literally the size yeah, of Oregon, yeah. go in and compete against these amazing huge countries and stuff. It's yeah. amazing. But you remember the fire, uh the fr- was it fire, or the fry festival? Oh, the, fire festival. The fire festival for Gerald. Se- right but you remember that from several years ago right Where people <laughs> they had this entire social media campaign oh, they were going to have this amazing God. that's music, literally all it was this amazing was musical festival campaign. and they were going to have all of these amazing accommodations and it was going to be tiered based off of how much money you were going to give and if you gave this amount of money or you purchased this tier you're going to have like these like it was, was going to be phenomenal And lo and behold That never occurred. And basically, they just had tents with like sandwiches wrapped around a saran wrap with like no no cheese and nothing like that. It it was crazy. No condiments. It was crazy. But basically, what we're finding out.
1: Tell the truth, baby.
0: (laughs) What we are finding out is that Qatar has some World Cup accommodations that are very similar to the Fire Festival, actually. Yo, people are pissed off. I'm going to show you this video. Alfred, please show this video. I'm going to show you this YouTube video. You need to see this. Look at this. For 200 pounds a night. Look at this right here.
1: Reaction video.
0: That's 200 pounds a night. No AC. No air conditioning. And this is in Qatar, where it could get up to like 120, 130 degrees. And just so y'all know, security is basically they give you a lock, like a a luggage lock, and you put it on the zipper of your tent. So imagine if you spent, because it's gonna be like over a G to fly over there it's probably gonna be two g's to fly over there Oh lord! the tickets are gonna be crazy to pay for and imagine you've been promised or you pay 200 bucks a night and you get that and not only that you get at nighttime it's going to be hot and they just give you a fan and then not to mention you can't even zip it up because if you zip it up it's gonna raise the temperature up right more
1: with your body heat the oh god what would
0: you say in that situation what would you do
1: Oh, I go home. I go to Hell, I go die in freaking Qatar. Are you kidding (laughs) me? Like what?
0: What if Haiti was there? You're gonna support Haiti?
1: No, I'm I'm gonna go home. I don't want nobody jumping on tripping over no hurdles, you know?
0: yeah well so basically they just decided so like the most recent news is that they were funding everybody who's in that type of accommodation because they have different tiers they have ones where they're really nice and so forth where it's like a it's like ridiculous they have it where it's like a um what is that thing that you put on boats those um those metal like canisters Mm -hmm. and in there they actually have like an air conditioner in there Mm -hmm. and so forth and they have them all several uh, you know laid out and so forth um. So those work, but these are, like, the lower tier ones. But that's still pretty expensive, right? So they're going to refund all of these people. I
1: just said it's expensive. It's actually dangerous. Yeah. You know, it's actually dangerous. It's like, so I'm going to go and pay this much money for two twin beds and a fan and a lock? <laughs> like, wait, what it's crazy i'm not going to go into that tent no absolutely that not. is
0: definitely the epitome of you can afford anything but you can't afford everything <laughs> when you go to Qatar they're like Mm-mm. that's it but anyway we're going to leave it at that so you wouldn't pay that i wouldn't pay that and um listen i stay at home because the the i think the coverage that we're getting right now because i watched the game on on the big screen tv we have that was great and um you know long story short i think about this situation is is yo I've been watching uh Johnny Harris, which is one of my favorite uh journalists. He's he was working with uh what is it with Vox. Mm. And he would put out these amazing like YouTube uh documentaries with Vox, and now he's switched to doing things on his own. Mm-hmm. And he just won an Emmy for like the investigative, you know, work that he's doing. Mm. So he has a really great YouTube channel. I'm gonna put him in the show notes, but he's got a really great YouTube channel where he talks about a whole bunch of different things where he does like the investigations. He has really great graphics. He has really good timing. Um, his graphics are amazing and he won an Emmy for that. But the most recent videos that he put out basically is kind of talking about the scandal of Qatar, which is an extremely small country. Mm-hmm. But in terms of richness, it's got significant yeah. amount yeah. Of, of financial um, uh, backing, how they were able with no soccer um, or no football like pedigree whatsoever. Mm-hmm. How they were able to nab a World Cup, right? And he's able to put all the dots together in literally like a twenty minute video. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna put that in the show notes and let y'all know what's going on. Because you know, as as with most things, money ruled the world. That's but crazy. that's what I'm spending my time on. Because every now and then, it can't just be all medicine. It can't just be all podcasting. And sometimes you just want to know what's going on in the world. And it's just really fascinating why mm-hmm. like this this small little country is yeah. able to get the World Cup because it's big business to get a World Cup. Of course. Very big business. They beat the United States. They beat, uh, I forget what other countries they beat, but there were some really big-time players of countries that have already had World Cups, have been able to have successful World Cups, and mm-hmm. they were able to beat it. So it's very, very fascinating. Interesting. So no no go for you, no bueno?
1: No, no bueno. Like, no, I'm sorry. But if, if I ain't top tier, I would not be. <laughs> I would not be in a lower tier tent, I'll tell you that. But um, oh, one of the things I we i we forgot to mention also when we kind of talked about employment versus independent contracting and things like that is that we're partnering with comp health and I was remembering um that when I one of the one of the places where I I think I think comp health had actually um assigned me, I wanna say, I wanna say that they assigned me at one point to a place in Pennsylvania, I think it was one place in Pennsylvania. Eventually, that they assigned me to, um, but we're partnering with them, and it just made me remember, you know, that um, the the way that you know I got into um, working with Comp Health was actually I went online, looked for you know locum tenens and things like that, and then. I was assigned to um, this young lady who was someone who had um, stayed with me for a little bit of time, actually. So she had assigned me at one point to to a place in Georgia, which I think I talked about in a previous episode. And then eventually I had a place in um, in Pennsylvania where she assigned me. Um, But I remember at that time, I knew very, very little about, like, base rate and, you know, I knew very little about just callback and what my time was worth and things like that. And just kind of, you know, working locums over so many years really helped me to think about, okay, well, what is, you know, what is my time actually worth, right? Like, if I'm going to do this particular um, assignment, and I think the two assignments that I did for Comp Health, both of them were exactly like that. They weren't in house. They were, you know, base pay in a hotel, and then a callback. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it just really made me think about what my time was worth, and that was one of the things that I was able to talk about with the Locum Tenants recruiter at Comp Health is. Okay, well, what is your time worth? Like, what you know, what are you willing to go out there for? So if you're looking to work, you know, as locums, one of the first line things that, you know, to kind of approach the discussion that we were having, one of the first line things that you can do if you're not comfortable talking to it, talking to, you know, um, a company by yourself as an independent contractor about your rate, work with an agency, yeah, you know, and practice that way. First, Right. Talk with the agency. Let them know what it is that you're looking for. See what the lay of the land is, because they're going to be able to also give you kind of a comparison of what other facilities are asking for, Um, whether that be in your region that you want to go to or in other regions. And you may decide that you want to travel somewhere else. Where the base pay is going to be a little bit easier to negotiate.
0: Yeah. Comp, Comp Health sent me to... That was my experience in Boise, Idaho. Mm-hmm. And that was actually my first time ever experiencing trauma surgery from a private practice standpoint. Mm-hmm. Where basically mm-hmm. you had a bunch of different surgeons. And, you know, although one person was on call, when they weren't on call, those patients went to that respective surgeon. Which right. is very different. So it yeah. was about five or six, pa- five or six surgeons... And they all had separate lists with their own trauma surgeons, which meant with their own patients, which meant that they were responsible for their own patients operating on their own patients and the Mm -hmm. timing, which I didn't like. So um, it has no no. no negative thoughts on on comp health, but just right. it was a really interesting experience, and it helped solidify for me the type of practice yeah. style that I wanted and so forth And I agree with you, like the ability to kind of negotiate mm-hmm. um with a facility, I definitely had that opportunity, and I definitely had a little bit more leeway. But by the time I started working with Comp Health at this point, I was a little bit more seasoned. Mm-hmm. um so I had that experience. So right. why don't you tell them where they can um they can sign yeah, up? yeah, I Com mean, health. if
1: you're looking to do locums, comp Health is. You know, a really good company to go with. I've worked with them in the past. Me, obviously, has worked with them as well. You can go to comphealth.com, C-O-M-P-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. Check them out and Maybe you can get started with locums.
0: Yeah, maybe you may have to do locums for a little bit so that you can get a higher than 200 pound per night <laughs> tent at Qatar. At Qatar. You may have to work a couple of extra shifts so you can get something like a 500 pound per night yeah. or per pa- whatever it is. Either way, man, I ain't standing in that tent. No, <laughs> that tent is no crazy. Way. No, but it, it's
1: yeah. a, I like what you said about the fact that, you know, you went to that um, facility and you, you know, you didn't quite like you know th- that setup um and that's the great thing about locums i yeah. think you could yeah. try something out and decide i like this or i don't like that and then if you want to go employed, then you know exactly yeah. what so you once, want when you once, go employed. Once it
0: was time for us to be employed, once I started realizing yeah. how much we were getting paid from a locum standpoint versus how much I was going to go back mm-hmm. to getting paid as an employee doc, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. And I just felt like I just had more leverage to negotiate because mm-hmm. I knew how much a hospital was willing to pay right. for a locum standpoint versus how much you're going to pay me as a salary doc? Right. Wait, this don't make any sense. You off the have to, up, you know, literally up the base rate on my salary <laughs> right? right but it makes sense right. right you'd have to up the base rate on my yeah. salaries but yeah. we can get in that get into that on a separate episode but just want to give a shout out to comphealth.com make sure you guys check them out um, so listen this was fun we did a feedback episode this, we don't do this very often um, but we got so much feedback on Instagram as we well as talk about it. on YouTube so we just wanted to let y'all know that we hear y'all and we appreciate all of the comments whether we agree with y'all or not And make sure you continue to let us know your thoughts on IG. Um, We're going to start going to TikTok also. But obviously, the two major places are Instagram as well as YouTube. And um, that's pretty much it. Cool. So we guys, we're going to catch you guys on another episode of Docs Outside the Box. Peace, y'all. Peace. Hey guys, thanks again for listening as well as supporting Docs Outside the Box. Listen, this show is produced by Darko Media Group and the dope audio experience is edited by the one, the only, Christian Parry, also known as your podcast pal. Links to him in the show notes. Listen, this is Dr. Nee, The Doc Outside the Box. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace.